welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most fascinating city between Fort Lupton and Salida. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Raymond Davis, the CIA operative from Highlands Ranch who is now rotting in a Lahore prison. We'll also be talking about the 5286 pack, the case against brunch, and of course, love and hate. With me in the studio are Westward's Joel Warner, freelance journalist Jared Jakang Mayer, and 5280 senior editor Patrick Doyle. I am washed up author and journalist John Dicker. First topic, let's get to it. Raymond Davis, uh, he is a CIA contractor who is currently in Pakistan uh, being held in, the, uh, in their jail because he murdered basically two people, whether they were operatives of al-Qaeda or, or whatnot is as yet to be determined. The U.S. State Department wants him back, and this could, you know, basically start some shit. Jared, you had brought this up as a kind of what's interesting about this is the way Nine News handled the outing of him as a CIA operative. Yeah, and this is a really big international issue right now, of course, touches on lots of sensitivity there in Pakistan as far as uh, the, the CIA and covert uh, intelligence operations that are going on there. What makes this a Colorado story is that this guy, Raymond Davis, actually lives or has a house in Highlands Ranch where he lives there with his wife. What occurred was initially that, you know, so this so this uh, shooting happened there in Lahore, I think on January 26. He was kind of driving in a dodgy part of Lahore and uh, claimed that two guys. I thought, I thought Lahore was a dodgy part of Lahore. <laughs> and he claimed that two guys were trying to rob him shoots these two guys and then uh, calls up uh, other American CIA officers and on the scene to go there. Did they pick, plow over they, a motorcycle? Yeah, to, to go over there to try to – rushing through the streets to try to pick him up. They run over a guy and kill him. His wife actually uh, ended up committing suicide after this guy died. Yeah. So there's like four people who have, uh, who have died. Um exploded in Pakistan. People are furious about this. They're calling for this guy's head. The State Department said initially, well, he's not CIA. He's not CIA. He works for the, in the embassy. He's a diplomat. We're going to claim diplomatic immunity. On uh, February 6th, I think, Nine News learned that this guy lived here in, in Colorado, in Highlands Ranch, went to his house and met his wife. And the number that the wife gave them was to the CIA. And they wrote up a story that acknowledge that fact what's come out since then is that this is that the uh the obama administration someone from the obama administration called up nine news and said you guys have got to take down this cia reference outside out of your story remove it this guy is in grave danger there in pakistan if they know that he is actually uh works for the cia or involved with the cia so they they acquiesced and after um, debating that in the newsroom, they took that reference out. And then this story kind of laid dormant as far as a CIA connection for a long time because even though the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other American media outlets apparently knew that this guy was a CIA contractor and not a full-fledged uh, peace-loving diplomat, they got the same calls from the Obama administration saying, do not release this information. He's going to put him in grave danger. Then... On the 26th, or I know on last week, in fact, the the Guardian finally said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna write about this, 
and they quoted um, a number of anonymous sources, but basically outed this guy Davis as a person who provides uh, uh, contract work for covert operations there uh, with the CIA there in Pakistan. And then the other, I mean, just I think this is sort of background, but in Pakistan right now, I mean, any any American is suspected of being a CIA operative. I mean, they. I think a lot of Pakistanis believe that you know the Jews were behind 9/11. They all, you know, there's a, that type of conspiracy theory is rampant. So it's already super sensitive. And so the the reason I'm kind of leading into all this and, and the questions that it raises for me is that the New York Times and all these other American media outlets have gotten tremendous amounts of criticism from people who say, "Are you just a mouthpiece for the U.S. government? And what at what point do you just say, you know?" We are not going to be writing about this because you get a call from the White House. Of course, there's a lot of uh, nuance, and each story is different, but it, it definitely raises a lot of questions for me. And it's particularly interesting that Nine News essentially had that connection way, way before anyone else had even thought about putting it in print, and they actually took it down. So what I'm wondering is, do we think that that was the right call to make? Uh, did uh, At what point do you actually say – as a journalist, well, I'm going to keep certain information out of my story or even, and in the case of the New York Times, kind of uh, give credence to things that you know are, are lies. I mean, when, when Obama gets up there and he said, no, this guy is a diplomat, he's all those things, New York Times basically wrote that even though they knew that that wasn't true. Patrick, let's say you guys were about to publish some huge story in 5280 and all of a sudden... 5280 doesn't break news. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, ouch. Was, ouch. I was fighting words from Mr. Kings uh, Drink. I, 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 master. Yeah. <laughs> I don't break yeah, news but, either. No, but, let's, say, let's, say, let's say that happened, Patrick. I, I think it would absolutely be a newsroom discussion. I mean, if a man's life is at stake from something we publish, um, we'd have to discuss it and figure out you know, the, the circumstances of that story. Um, you know, My question is, have the Pakistanis been treating him as a CIA agent the whole time? So... Regardless of whether Nine News called him CIA or State Department or a diplomat, the Pakistanis were still treating him as CIA, correct? But have they actually like announced to the public? Have they actually kind of well, gone the, out to the public and said, this guy's CIA? The Pakistani which seems like... military and the Pakistani media, from the beginning, were making um, allusions or outright accusations that this guy was a CIA operative. Huh. Because even though right away the, the, the U.S. government was saying, no, he works – technically he works in the embassy and he's here on a – diplomatic passport, uh, the Pakistanis didn't buy it because he's in this section of Lahore where there is no reason for him, for a, a, a true diplomat to be there on just regular uh, government business. And he was also caught, he was also arrested with a Glock pistol, GPS equipment. Uh, like multiple cell phones. Multiple cell phones, like this uh, periscope thing that you use to uh, you know see people from great, great distances. And so they didn't buy it from the beginning. This a guy, telescope, perhaps? <laughs> well, they, they, there was some name for it. It was like a, a psyopscope or something. But in, anyway, you know, they were raising those questions Psy-op-scope. from the beginning. So, yeah, I think that I, I agree with Patrick that it is a, a really difficult discussion. And when you're sitting there in Nine News, it's not like you're the Washington Post and you get a call from D.C. telling you this guy's life is in danger. Well, uh you take that discussion really seriously and you have to think about it. What what kind of irks me is that they were using the diplomatic card. I mean, they were pulling out this diplomatic card as a way to 
sort of get this clear guy who is doing spy work out of trouble. And that definitely undercuts the credibility of U.S. diplomats around the world, right? If, if these countries are to believe that these people are here on diplomatic work and they're not here to spy on our country, and so we have to take that at good, at good faith, but now that is all thrown into question because it's been proven that the U.S. government um, was basically uh, lying about that fact. But is, is that really that surprising, though? That some diplomats in third world dangerous countries may actually have ulterior motives and possibly working for another state agency. It, 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 it's not surprising, and it's you know a lot of that stuff also came out in all the WikiLeaks uh, file dumps. But it uh, definitely doesn't help the U.S. case. So, what do you think is going to happen in this case? You guys, I'm gonna throw it out to all you guys. Uh, I, I think, he, I think if he, he's gonna be, I have no idea if he's gonna be let go, if he's gonna be extradited or, or not extradited, but brought back to the U S and if he is, there's definitely going to be riots. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's for sure. Um, I, but beyond that, I have, I have no idea. Do you guys have any thoughts about whether, whether he's going to be pulled back here or he's going to be stuck there? They'll get him out somehow. I don't know. I mean, they, he's in a prison right now and, um, you know, this is front page news there in Pakistan. A lot of people feel pretty passionately about it. So, uh, I, I don't I don't I don't think we can speculate. I think it's gonna pro- most likely. I think he will have to stand trial, and maybe they can maybe the U.S. can uh, arrange some type of situation that will appease the Pakistanis. But um, well, well, the real real issue locally here is this guy. I think got his visa extended by saying he was with the consulate. So really, he'd rather be in Lahore than Highlands Ranch, and I think that speaks volumes <laughs> to, about Highlands Ranch and and how livable it is. That's really the important takeaway on this. Good point, John. Uh, Good thank, point. You. thank you. Uh, let's move on to other international matters like the 5286 pack. Uh, Patrick, take it away. Sure. You know, uh, last year in uh, it was about April or so, we started tasting all these different beers for our beer issue. It came out last September, September 2010. And we, you know, ended up tasting about, I forget if there was 70 or 100 different craft beers from around Colorado. Um, and Joel's making a face at me because he hates good beer, apparently. No, I just can't. So you guys were all sitting around the 5020 office drinking 70 beers. Were you guys hanging out the windows and having your underpants on your head? It was over multiple, multiple tasting sessions. Sure. We, we, used, <laughs> we used taxis. There was no drunk driving at all. And we then expensed the taxis since we were doing important journalistic work here. <laughs> good job. Um, and, you know, we ended up having nine or, different ten, nine or ten different categories, you know, pale ales, brown ales, and stouts. And then we thought, you know, we we're playing, you know, if you could make your own six-pack, what would they be? So we picked our six very favorite beers um, out of all these beers in Colorado we tasted. And would you like me to tell you what they are, Joel? Well, yes, I do, Patrick. All right. Uh, we had uh, Dale's Pale Ale from Oscar Blues up in Lyons. We had um, White Rascal, which is a uh, Belgian wheat beer from Avery in Boulder. We had Left Hand uh, Milk Stout, which is a very, very fine beer. And then we had a Triumvirate from Odell Brewing up in... Fort Collins, we had a cutthroat porter, an IPA, and a red ale. That is a lot from one particular brewery. Was that kind of controversial to say that of all the beers in Colorado, you know, you know, at least at least fifty percent, you know, should be coming from one brewery? Y- yes, you know, I guess two things. When we originally did this, we just it was just for the magazine it was for fun it was like we did we did taste tests and we literally put the beers up side by side and tasted them and 
those three beers were the best in those categories, and we thought they were the finest beers. Um, you know, later on, we decided, along with these uh, four breweries, to actually release the six-pack, and then people, you know, there's accusations of favoritism for Odell. Not the case. We did actual tastings. Um, would it have been easier if we had six different breweries? Of course. But we wanted to, you know, really do what we considered the, the journalist job and, you know, taste them. And so when you mean release them, I mean you can buy these uh, six packs there at Yep, we, we released stores. we released the two eighty six pack um, in the early part of this month, I think it was February first. Um, it's in front range liquor stores. Uh, I've seen it for about eight ninety nine or so. Um, and it is these six different beers, um, you know, kind of a sampler pack of different breweries. You can't really find anything like this. I don't know of actually any um, publication or, or any entity has done something like this in the country. No, I've never seen so anything cool. like that. I mean, I, you go sometimes you can go to liquor stores and you can get a thing and you can buy single bottles and sort of create your own, but not one that's been of, of different types of breweries, not just one brewery doing like a sampler pack. And Supposedly, that, though, one of one of Westward's sister papers did try this once. I forget which which of the VVM papers did this, but supposedly they kind of somehow screwed it up and they all got broken or something stupid, which which makes sense from our from our limited ability to actually put out a quality product. Right, right. And like like Jared was saying, these are essentially singles that we have pre-selected that are being sold in these stores. Um, and it was a pretty fun project and it seems like a lot of people have liked it, you know. I think anything involving drinking beer is by definition a fun project. <laughs> right. So so I guess the big question is now that this has been successful, are you going to move the entire magazine onto just like sides of like beer bottles? That would be a pretty fun project to do. I mean, Esquire years ago did a napkin project and they sent out cocktail napkins to some of the best writers in the country to write a little story. So I think that would be pretty fun to do. They had to write it on a cocktail napkin? You had to write a short story on a cocktail napkin. You submitted it, and then they Esquire it. published all of them, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, could in, I could value that, like maybe a, a little tiny short story in small print on the side of a uh, beer bottle while I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so screw no, web-based journalism. No, no great divide in the six-pack. There, there wasn't great divide, and I am a huge great divide fan. Obviously not that huge. No. Oh, someone's getting fired up in here. <laughs> No, I, I just I, I think they're they're really good. But. So what they were the are, close contenders? You know, what were like what what almost made it? If you can say, uh, you know, well, you can just look through. Um, you know, the story is online. It's our September issue, um, and if you look at the different categories, you know, we had for IPAs, for example, Avery's IPA and Titan IPA were tied for second. Titan IPA from Great Divide is a great beer. Um, and, you know, we we tasted them side by side, and we just we preferred the Odell. Um, How many people were doing the tasting? There were uh, three editors, uh, myself, um, Deputy Editor Jeff Van Dyke, and our Associate Editor, uh, Natasha Gardner. I, I bet you guys got a lot of shit from people saying that, uh, like, accusations of, like, what qualifications do you guys have? I mean, all these people who are so serious about, you know, beer tasters and, uh, you know, whole clubs devoted to that. Was it kind of difficult to say, like, God, how do we as – beer likers and connoisseurs maybe but not experts come up with this definitive list no it was easy there <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. you go uh, screw the populace yeah i mean take that critics we're, 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 I'd, I'd say we're all pretty uh big beer connoisseurs my wife and i got married at a brewery last year oh, in colorado okay. I so i feel corrected. like that gives a little bit of uh... that okay right there say no more <laughs> say no more you can it's all the expertise I need to hear. Right, right. Yeah, what listeners can't see um, from this is actually uh, 
Patrick is wearing two uh, beer cans around his head right now, and he's drinking them as he as he speaks. So this is a man who loves beer. That, that's a lie. All right. <laughs> Wait, can I make one, make one more suggestion, Patrick? I think for the next one, you should do a 40-ounce six-pack, a collection <laughs> of the finest 40-ounce malt liquor. And Are there any 40-ounce malt liquors made in Colorado, though? I, I don't know. Beer expert? I, I don't know. Coors must have a malt liquor that they make, right? Hmm. Well, I mean, An- Anheuser-Busch does have a, you know uh, – brewery slash factory up in Fort Collins so I think they must make something. something okay no but no research, I taste, research project I have a big question too though what were the worst beers that you guys tasted just one you, stick out in your mind just a bad it, it, local it, it, beer it actually doesn't um, you know anyone making craft beer in Colorado kind of has my vote and I really haven't tasted any bad ones I'll drink I'll drink mostly any beer if you have a Coors Light right now I'm happy if you have a natural light if you have Mad Dog I will we had some uh, Keladas. What was things called? Oh, the Chiladas. Yeah, Chiladas a few weeks ago here, which was uh, tomato, tomato juice and Budweiser. Okay, yeah, I haven't had that, but I refuse <laughs> to drink that. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink crap. All and right, anyone making craft beer has my vote, and I know how hard it is, and great work. So, well, that's a, that was a nice PC response. You thought about being a politician there, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> Someday, I'm just trying to save. You know, not trying to piss off. Too yeah, you don't want to point. piss off beer drinkers here in Colorado. No, you see, no. You know, you don't want to hurt Hicken Looper. They're an important demographic. Abortions for some, tiny American flags for others, as the saying goes. You know what I'm quoting. Some people know what I'm quoting. I'm not even going to fucking explain it. All right. Speaking of explaining, Patrick, you have a a rant against brunch. You you hate brunch. Why do you hate brunch? I I guess I hate brunch for every reason that I guess people like it. I I don't want to go to a restaurant at 11 o'clock on Sunday, wait an hour, sit down, have this long, drawn-out process of multiple mimosas and Bloody Marys and be drunk at 1 o'clock and, you know, have your day be shot and then, you know, you're hungover at 6 p.m. You have to go to work the next day. It just sounds so terrible to me. I'm not, sound- I'm, I'm not going to defend brunch. I, I don't actually even See, eat. I, was I don't gonna- eat breakfast or brunch, really. I'm, I'm kind of my, – my style of eating is uh, kind of like a boa constrictor. I just eat. <laughs> A really big dinner and digest it throughout the next 36 hours. So you guys, you guys take that one on. See, I was going to defend brunch. I mean, you know, I like going out to brunch, but then actually reading your really compelling little uh, little description, I was like, yeah, actually, brunch does kind of suck. It really is just like takes up your entire. Well, it feels like it takes up most of your entire day, and it's so expensive. It's I mean, expensive. you end up dropping. You can pay 50 bucks for two people. It's like, let's go out to dinner. Let's go to where, a nice restaurant. Where did you eat at for this rant that you have on brunch? Yeah, what restaurant traumatized you? I, it's a, a collection of uh, a year's worth of brunch, and I haven't been oh. to brunch actually in a long time. Well, because where did I you go? To go. Like what places in Denver? Do you remember? I don't. So right. remember so I any visual, of the brunches? Yeah, I visualized snooze. Yeah. When I went, I was or, or root down where you ha- have to wait over two weeks to get a reservation for brunch. That's, really? That long? Yes. Yeah. And it's – I mean it's it's okay, but it's not two weeks in advance good. You call by any... root down for a reservation for brunch and they say we're booked for two weeks? That happened, yes. Jeez. Okay, fine. You know what? Since everyone here seems to be dumping on brunch, I'm going to defend brunch a bit. Yes, oh, don't, it's only do it if you mean it. No, 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 because you know, <laughs> I have had some really enjoyable brunch experiences. And that's oh, the, the, yes, it's expensive. Yes, yes, it you know it kind of wastes part of your day. But I mean, every now and then, you know, we here in Denver kind of need some pure like luxury. We can't we can't go to the beach. We can't we can't we can't go off on yachts and do all that stuff. I mean, 
we have brunch. It's our one thing where we can sit down in the Colorado sunlight, waste hours talking about stupid things and drinking expensive drinks. What is this, like the Bruce Springsteen song about brunch? <laughs> it's <laughs> all we got in Colorado. In high school. Ate lots of brunch together. <laughs> Dude, 20 minutes away, you have like the most beautiful mountains in North America. You don't want to go hang out in the sunlight there? No, I want to sit go on the, the patio and drink my Mary look at those mountains. Go have a some, picnic and bring a six-pack of your finest craft beer. Can't you have like a brunch up there in the mountains on a, on a uh, picnic <laughs> blanket? That's not – a to-go brunch? Yeah, why not? I guess you could. I feel like pancakes would get pretty nasty, though, after in the car for a little while. We are heading into the polemical hall of shame here, (laughs) I just have to say. So Um, no one here likes brunch. I'd rather – I like – I'm kind of with Patrick where in his his piece he said he likes breakfast. I like breakfast, particularly in Denver. I like Mexican breakfast, even though I have to really go off the vegan uh, uh, reservation for that. But, yeah, like we we got shut out of Root Down when we were told at Root Down there was going to be a two-hour wait. We flipped them the bird and went to – what's the place on? Is it Tejon and 38th Las Carbonositas? Um, yeah, yeah Carbonositas. They, they bring, bring out like the four different types of salsas. Um, yeah, that place is the shit. So and that was brunch. It was breakfast, damn it. Okay. It, it wasn't, it so, wasn't the yuppie Bloody Mary brunch. It was well, Mexican breakfast. Well, then here's the question. I mean, is the argument not against brunch? Is it against kind of the yuppie – Fancy long-weighted brunch that has been created here in Denver. Like, like that's if there brunch, were that's more, what brunch is. so you can't, yeah. so you can't ever have a you know a non-upscale version of brunch. You can't, you you can't yeah, go to those breakfast. That's breakfast or lunch. Yeah, I've never, I've never, See, seen, I've, I've never seen a low low rent brunch. Anywhere. So let's say, so let's say you have breakfast at Los Carboncitos at like eleven thirty on a Sunday. Wait, is that that's, a, that's a late breakfast. If you go to Pete's <laughs> Kitchen <laughs> yeah, at, a, you, at eleven a.m., it's not brunch. Yeah, brunch is it. You know, this is sort of a, a, a – it's a term that's created for an event that you sort of go to, you know, because I can just be eating breakfast at 11 o'clock. That's not like I'm having brunch. Brunch is when you actually go to this place. It's a, it's between those hours, and, yeah, you stand outside. It's a long wait. Lucille's, um, they're off uh, uh, Lowell and Alameda. There's always, you know, crowds of people standing outside there. It's it's a thing that you go to. We're going to now be going to brunch because it's Mother's Day or Easter. Or and my problem isn't with like Lucille's snooze, like Root Down. All the food is really good, but it's expensive and it's a long wait. And the crowd of people there are not people that I always want to be hanging out with. So basically, your definition of brunch is anything you have to wait for, wait in line for. It's let's, say, of- let's say you went to Lucille's and there was no wait. Would that still be brunch or would that be a late breakfast? If you have midweek, late breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. It, it, I've talked about that. I've branded this before. Like, you know, the long wait at so many of these uh, places like Root Down or Snooze. Yeah, the food is decent. It's just real. Every time I see the lines out onto Larimer at Snooze, I'm just like, really? It's, it's just, it's not that good. And you can go to Los Carbonositas and have no wait and it'll be cheaper and it's better. Or Cozy Cottage. We had breakfast at Cozy Cottage today. It was amazing. But it almost felt and like brunch to me, though. It wasn't brunch. Just because of the timing, though. I mean, literally, we ate brunch food there. That was a brunch-type crowd. It was but a, it was at 9 o'clock, and we didn't have a wait. We had basic bacon and eggs, and you had lox and a bagel, which is kind of fancy. It is but, kind of fancy. That, had, that was pretty brunchy. That, that was pretty brunchy. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> 
See, right, I wish we had someone here who could really defend brunch. I feel like, like we aren't giving brunch a fair shake. Well, you're the de- you're the brunch defender. I'm trying to. I'm trying to defend it. It's under the working bad. man's brunch. I feel bad for brunch. I feel like you know we're just don't kind feel of, bad for brunch. It's, it's money. Kind of like the Pakistani yuppie, like trial for the CIA very well. version of brunch. Like you know the person not even here. Yeah, to see, defend this themselves. is clearly an identity thing for Joel. <laughs> He's trying like, to like cast brunches. Uh, you know, I think I wish I had the time and money to really enjoy brunch. I think I'm just you know I'm feeling brunch envy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the whole new demographic of Republican voter now. They're, they're envious of brunch. Let's move on to love and hate. Uh, Jared, what do you got? I'm actually going to turn over my love and hate to my uh, daughter, oh, okay. Gianni. Yeah, Gianni. And you have, you have to say whether or not you're having a what, – what it is. Is it a love or a hate first? I, well, this is a hate about middle school. So <laughs> – I'll go on Facebook, and the first top news is so-and-so is in a relationship with so-and-so. And then I'll go on the next day, and I'll say so-and-so and so-and-so are single. And I'll be like, didn't they just go out yesterday? And then I'm always the last to hear about this, too. So I'll ask somebody, oh, how's your boyfriend or so? And they'll start either start crying or yelling at me. <laughs> And it just so you know, it's not always the girls that are start crying. <laughs> the boys cry too. That that is definitely a hate I can. That was an awesome. Hate. Thank you, Jenny. Joel, what see, do you I, see, I don't know if I can top that one, but but I, but I'm going to give some uh, some hate as well this week. And it was uh, about two weeks ago. I was back east in Boston, and I have never seen more snow in my entire life. Like literally in front of my parents' house, there was a 15 foot high snow pile. That was like frozen solid. It wasn't even snow anymore. It was just hard, packed ice. Okay, you know this wasn't actually like Boston proper. This was out like in the suburbs, and yet the roads were sparkling clear. There wasn't a bit of snow, but anywhere. And when I come back to Denver, we've had what like like three inches of snow. It's like one huge ice skating rink. I don't get that. I just don't understand why we don't know how to shovel. I mean plow plow the streets here it just seems stupid and that's my hate gotcha patrick what do you got uh i love the nuggets trading of carmel anthony to the knicks um i think you know he was going to leave anyway they got some young prospects i think they uh they've been playing well without him you know defense has become important again and uh i'm pretty excited for the new nuggets unfortunately i'm also a lifelong knicks fan so now i have (laughs) Carmel is still in my life, but uh, I'm pretty stoked for the, the new Denver basketball scene. Cool. I'm actually going to love, for the first time, I think in like three months, I'm going to love on something, which is actually 5280's piece that's up for a – What should, you told me again what the name is. It's, it's Society a, of Magazine. City and Regional Magazine Awards uh, feature story. But so. it's, it's called Gone, and it's by Lindsay Kohler. And it, was, it came out a couple of months ago. I read it on longform.org, which is the best website ever. It's online there, and it's just about it's about the investigation of a, a really horrible, horrific child murder murder in Aurora, and about the the toll it took on the detective who investigated it. It was really well done, a really great read. So more like that, fifty two eighty, um, and uh, I think that's all we got. We're on the web at denverdiatribe.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Denver Diatribe. For Patrick, Jared, Joel, and myself, John Dicker, we are out.